You are listening to CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network, your home for solid Bible teaching and the latest praise and worship music. In just a moment, we'll go live to the River Christian Fellowship, the home of CSN, for today's service with our special guest. But first, I'd like to invite you to join us in person at the River. We're located in Twin Falls, Idaho, and have our Sunday morning service at 10 a.m. Mountain Time and our Sunday and Wednesday evening services at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Visit theriverchristianfellowship.com and click on the map for directions or to schedule a visit. Now, we go live to the River Christian Fellowship for today's service. Just sink in, Lord. Speak to our deepest parts, Lord. Let the Spirit fill us with wisdom this morning for what you have. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm glad you all were able to make it. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In chapter 8... Paul encouraged the Christians 
in that Corinthian church to be responsible with their freedom so as not to hinder new Christians. You know, not everybody looked up to Paul. There were some people who were critical of Paul. There were people who questioned his apostolic authority. And so chapter 9 is, in part, Paul's defense and the demonstration that where he's pointing out how he lives out what he preaches. Paul is not a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do kind of a preacher. Paul lived out what he taught. Paul even withheld some freedoms that he should have had. He withheld them in order to not possibly hinder anybody or to, uh, to demonstrate that he's actually living out what he's preaching. So Paul reestablishes the fact that he's free because of Jesus Christ. Paul is not subject to the law. He talks a lot about that. He says he's free from all of that. And he is not a slave to sin. Jesus Christ frees us from sin. When we are sinners and we come to the Lord, we're a slave to sin. It, it holds us. It captivates us. And when we come to the Lord, we're freed from that. And Paul's talking about that. Paul, Paul is saying that he's led by the Holy Spirit. He only wants to do those kinds of things that are helpful to other Christians. So chapter 9, verse 1, Paul says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, as also the other apostles, the brother of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war at his own expense, and who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man, or not as a law? Say some also, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while it treads the grain. Is, is it the ox that God's concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? And then he says, for our sakes. No doubt, this is written. And he who plows shall plow in hope, and he who threshes shall thresh shall be a partaker of his hope. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for this word. We thank you that your word is faithful and true and brings life. We just pray that as we examine your word today, that you would bless us, that your hand would be upon us, that you would keep us from evil. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to stop there for now. Paul, Paul practiced what he preached. Paul lived out. He lived out everything that he preached. He lived out the Christian life. He was an example to everyone who was watching him. If there's a secret, if you, you know, if you're interested in ministry and you know how like in business, they always have these books, the secret to whatever whatever. 
Well, if there was one that Paul wrote, you know, the secret to a tremendous ministry or something like that, that would be his secret. He lived what he preached. He lived it out. Same should be true for all of us. We should be living out what it is that we say we are. If we're Christians, we should be living out the Christian faith. We should be, we should be able to withstand the examination of people around us who are saying, that guy says he's a Christian. I wonder what he does. I wonder how he lives. You know, the people who are non-believers, they're always really quick to look at Christians and say, you all are hypocrites. And for the most part, it's true. They're not wrong. It's just that we're not very good at living out the Christian life. And it seems like we fall short, we fall flat on our face at the most inopportune times. It's when everybody's watching, isn't it? We couldn't fall flat on our face when nobody's watching, could we? No. People are always watching. People are always watching. They don't miss a thing. That's uh, it's very disturbing to me. Um, but Paul points out that he's free. His key argument here is that he has many freedoms, freedoms to, to do things, freedoms to engage in activities that he does not avail himself of because he wants to withhold those things so as to help new Christians because they don't understand this concept of freedom. They don't get it yet. They're free and they're Christians, but they haven't left behind all of those things that they did before. Remember in, uh, in chapter 8, they, were, they would go to the temple and they would, they would participate in the feast. And there were some Christians who were new Christians and they had a hard time with that. Because to them, to them for, some, for some reason, they held on to those gods. They had a hard time walking away from those gods. Paul, Paul told them in chapter 8, he said, those gods are nothing. They're just a block of wood or a block of rock. They're nothing at all. They're, they're not alive. They don't have any power. They're nothing. And so this food, this sacrifice to these gods, it's just food. So it doesn't matter whether or not you go eat. You want to go eat? Go eat. If you don't want to, don't. Go down to Burger King. And the, the other Christians were having a hard time with that because they couldn't let go of the idea that those idols were real. That they had power. Paul is working on that, uh, trying to communicate those freedoms. And uh, he, he starts out by kind of giving a little bit of a defense of his apostleship. Um, he points out that he saw the living Christ on the road to Damascus, and he's done the work of an apostle in Corinth. Um, he is their spiritual father in Corinth. And, and now he's going to come through and he's going to say, you know, I'm asking you, I asked you in chapter 8, I asked you to withhold yourself from some of the freedoms that you have for the sake of new believers. So he's saying, even though there's nothing wrong with you going to the temple to eat, that's just, it's just food, there's nothing wrong with that, it's up to you. Even though you have that freedom, I would like for you to consider not doing it 
for the sake of the gospel. Because there might be some new Christians that stumble because of that. And so he's pointing out here, he's saying, I personally have all of these freedoms and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing those. I'm giving up those freedoms so that I can engage in, I can help new Christians for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel, that's what it was. So he mentions specifically three different privileges. He says, do we have a right to eat and drink? He's just pointing out the fact that he has the same right as any Christian, just like in chapter 8 when he was talking about that. It's just food. It's just drink. It, it doesn't matter. He, says, he said it, it doesn't matter whether you eat and drink it. It doesn't matter whether you don't. If you don't, it doesn't make you any more spiritual than if you did. And if you did, there's no sin in that. It's not a problem. So, Christ, Christ, belief in Christ freed Paul from all of those dietary laws that were part of his Jewish background. Remember, the Jews had all kinds of things they could and couldn't eat. They were, they were restricted from all kinds of food. Um, Paul says that, that doesn't exist anymore. It's all just food. He, uh, Paul claims the right to take along a believing wife. You know, some of the apostles did. They brought their wife with them. Their wife uh, engaged in ministry with them. They supported them. Paul said, I have that right. But he didn't. He didn't. So as far as Paul's argument is concerned there, um, that interpretation, it doesn't make any difference whether he was just pointing out that he had the same rights that the other apostles did. Um, he made the case there that, that he could be free. He could be free from working because many times Paul worked. He would go into a city, he would plant a church, and he would work. He would make tents. He's saying, he's saying uh, other apostles are supported by their church. They don't work. He says, don't I have the same right for that? But he said, I'm not asking them to do that. I'm not asking them to support me because I want to be able to offer the gospel without any strings attached. And in order to do that, he had to work. And so he did. Other apostles didn't work. Other apostles were just focused on their ministry. And uh, I, I don't know how they asked people to support them. I don't know about that. But um, he says in verse 6, is it only Barnabas and I who have to refrain from working? So apparently Barnabas also was working. Um, but he made a really strong case there that he could have asked them to support him. And they probably would have. But he wanted to be able to approach them. He wanted to be able to come before them and minister to them. No strings attached. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not asking for anything. The gospel truly is just freely given. Not even asking for food. Not even asking for dinner. So Paul's listing these three rights. He didn't list these three rights just to get sympathy. 
He's asking them to lay aside some of the freedoms that they have, just like he's doing. So Paul here, he's not, he's not a, a do as I say, but don't do as I do kind of a preacher. Paul's living out what he's saying. He's asking them to give up some of their freedoms, and he's pointing out the fact that he's also doing that. He's not asking them to do anything he's not doing. Paul doesn't reject those freedoms because of the conscience of the weaker brother. That's not his, that's not his reasoning. His reasoning is not, um, this bothers your brother and so therefore don't do it. No, that's, that's not his point. His point is that for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the gospel, refrain from some of those freedoms that you have. He's not telling them they don't have those freedoms. They do. They have the freedom. Paul doesn't have any legal authority over them. He can't, he, he's not going to bludgeon them if they do. He's just asking them out of their own free will, would you consider doing this? Would you, be, would you consider for the sake of the gospel to not do that? We still do that today, don't we? You know, there's some things that, that I don't do. I have the freedom to do it, but there's some things I don't do because of my position here in this church. I, I don't want people in the community to, to see me in certain places in town. I'm free to go there. There's nothing in Scripture that says I can't go there. But for the sake of the gospel, I don't do that. I don't go there. There's not, there's not a lot here, okay? We're in Twin Falls, after all. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. So, so his focus is not on the weakness of his brother. He's not asking them to not do that because you've got a weak brother and you've got to take care of him. No, it's for the sake of the gospel. He says, think about, think about that. He didn't want anything to come between the message and the recipient. So during this time in chapter 9, Paul opens up his heart uh, he shares his feelings about the gospel, and he shares his feelings that he's not doing that by his choice. He's doing what he's doing because that was chosen for him. It was chosen for him to be a minister of the gospel. And if you read about Paul's life, uh, going into Acts, read about Paul's life, you, it's astounding what he went through. You know, uh, I'm not sure I could have done it. It very well could have been after the first shipwreck that, man, I'm, I'm going home, you know, done with that. I just can't. Or maybe after the first beating. He's like, God, really? I just want to go home. But he persisted. He, he persisted, but he was doing it for the sake of the gospel. But he didn't cho choose that lifestyle. He didn't choose that. You know, from my own perspective, nobody in their right mind would want to be a pastor. Go see a doctor. If you feel like you want to be a pastor, go see a doctor. But it's, it's, it's put on you. It's put on you. You have to do it. And that's where Paul was at. He said, I, I have to do this. It was chosen for me. So, yeah, well, Paul says, yeah, in chapter 16, uh, woe, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. 
So and then and then Paul addresses his reward. What what's Paul's reward? He you know people are probably watching him. They're they're looking at him. And they're saying, "What are you getting out of this? You know, you spend all your time in ministry, and you're you're over there making tents. Your hands are all torn up and calloused from the tents. And uh, where's your reward?" And um, Paul says, Paul says that when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel without charge. And then he says that his reward is in serving God. It's a part of obedience. And I was thinking about that. I was trying to think of some parallel thing that we all can relate to. And um, I was just thinking that back when I was a kid and when I actually would do something that I was told by my parents, how that felt. You know, it felt good. My parents gave me a job to do and I went out you know, suppose I'm supposed to go out and mow the lawn. I go out and I mow the lawn and I do a really good job. I don't leave any, any places that I missed. I mow it all really well. And you have a sense of pride, don't you? You're like, I did a really good job. You know, on the flip side, if your parents give you a job and you do a really bad job or you don't do it at all, you know how you felt. You, you don't feel so good. Even though you didn't have to do the work, you don't feel well. That, that's where Paul was at. Paul was, Paul was taking satisfaction. He was taking reward in knowing that he had done what God had asked him to do. And whatever the results are, are in God's lap because he did what he was supposed to do. Even though maybe, you know, maybe he ended up shipwrecked or maybe he ended up getting beaten, or, or later on, you know, a Roman prison was pretty grim back then. It was bad. But he knew he was doing what God wanted him to do. And you know, the same, the same situation for us is true. God gives us direction. He gives us, uh, he gives us, he gives us a path to walk down in serving him. And that, that path is typically not down a big, beautiful, white beach on some tropical island. That's not the path. The path is like in, in, in a really dark, grim mountain sometimes. Sometimes you do get the, the white beach in a tropical place. Things are going great. But you know what? If you're doing God's will, that's not going to last. Because Satan doesn't like it when you're doing God's will. Satan's going to throw stuff at you. And pretty soon you're going to be like, why me, God? I thought you had my back. God does have your back. But that doesn't mean you're not going to have trouble. Even Jesus himself said you will have trouble. You will have trouble in this world. And that's continuous, isn't it? It doesn't end when you get older. You might think, oh, you know, I'm at retirement age, God, I'm retiring from the struggles, okay? I'm retiring from the difficulties. Doesn't work like that. Doesn't work that way. But God's with us during those times. You look at the life of Paul, is there anybody who is more of a spiritual giant than Paul? Really not that I can think of. I look at Paul and and, and I'm, I'm, I'm... I'm in awe, really. But you look at everything that he went through, he went through some tough times. 
He went through a lot of tough times. And he said that his reward was in preaching the gospel. That was his reward. That's all he was asking for. Of course we know, you know, we all know that when we get to the other side, when we step across from time into eternity, that there's rewards there. Our rewards are there. And, and, and honestly, when that time comes, if you didn't get a lot of rewards in this life, you'll be glad. You'll be glad because they're there. And they're way better than they would be here. You know, one of the big discoveries as a Christian, after you become a Christian, you're a Christian for a while, it's that sense of fulfillment that just comes in knowing we're doing God's will. Just that, that uh, contentment. May or may not be easy. Where God put us may not be easy. It may be stretching us. That's not a bad thing. It hurts. Painful. But it's not a bad thing. Because that means we're growing spiritually. You know, the worst thing is if, if you never feel like you're being stretched, if you, if you never feel like you're being asked to do any more than what you are comfortable doing, then you need to do a little self-examination. Because maybe God's waiting for you to respond in some way. You know, maybe God asked you to do something and He's waiting for you to do that. And not much is happening in your life spiritually because you haven't done the last thing that God asked you to do. Or maybe there's something in your life that you need to get rid of. And, and it's, just, it's just like you get stagnant. It's like there's not much happening spiritually. But if, if God is stretching you, if God's asking you to do something that you're really not very comfortable with, that's a good thing. It's a good thing because that means that you're growing spiritually. That means that God is doing something in there. Um, Paul says in verse, I think it's verse 19, For though I am free of all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jew, to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law towards God, but under law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I become as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now, this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker for you. Those verses give us a little bit of insight about what spiritual leadership is. Paul begins there by talking about the liberty that he has in Christ. He says, I am free from all men. He wasn't talking about financial uh, obligations. He wasn't talking about political freedom. He's talking about spiritual freedom. He's talking about the freedom that came to him through Jesus Christ. We have that same freedom. We have that same freedom. You know, when you become a Christian, you may, you may come with all kinds of baggage. You may, you know, figuratively, you may walk through those doors with, uh, you know, covered with chains and a, and, a, and a great big giant ball attached to your leg and, 
and, and you come with all of this baggage from life, you know, you may come with addictions, you may come with pain, you may come with, with, with hurt from relationships, you may come with a damaged relationship, you may come with all kinds of problems that affect your spiritual life, um, but through Christ, we can be free. Through Christ, we can be free from all of that. I'm not saying that it goes away. I'm not saying that it'll be like as if it never happened. No, things that happened, still, they leave scars. They're still there. But Jesus allows you, Jesus helps you to overcome that. He helps you to move on past that. And He allows you to to get free from addictions, to get free from things that, that hold you. Because without Christ, we're a slave to sin, aren't we? Without Christ, we're a slave to those things. Without Christ, we don't, we're not able to walk away from those things. But Jesus Christ enables us to leave those things behind. He enables us to walk past those things. So that's what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about being free from the law. He's talking about he's talking about the Jewish law. You know, by that time we're not just talking about the 10 commandments, okay? That's not the Jewish law. The Jewish law included thousands of things, all kinds of things. You know, they couldn't pick up an eating utensil at certain times because that was considered work. You couldn't travel much of a distance. They, they measured it out. How far can you travel on the Sabbath before you're breaking the Sabbath? They had all kinds of things that people just, the, the Jews of the day just invented them. They, maybe in the spirit of law, maybe they, maybe they had a right heart, I don't know. But they just put burdens on people more and more and more. Kind of reminds me of our government, doesn't it? There's more and more and more. Let's don't get on that. Um, he, so Paul was free from those things. So for Paul, the gospel was liberating. It was a liberating word, and the church was a liberating community, and he benefited from that. You know, uh, a faith, a faith that does not free you from those constraints that are put on you by men, a faith like that's nothing but a lie. And a church that binds people, that, that puts restraints and puts burdens on people instead of, instead of loosing those burdens, it's not a true church. If your church is preaching the gospel, you, need to be, you should be hearing about freedom. You know, you shouldn't have a guy standing up in front and loading burdens on you. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. I think there was a song like that, wasn't there? I don't remember. Uh, in Paul's life, and it's true for us, there's a sense that Paul was already free. And also there was a sense that he was being made free. And this is true as we're Christians. When you, when you become a Christian, you walk through that door there in the back and you come in all loaded down with all kinds of burdens. Um, it takes a while, doesn't it? It takes a while to loose yourself from those things. You know, I like to say that, 
that you walk through the door and all of a sudden you're 100% pure Christians with nothing, nothing at all that you brought in, no baggage at all that you brought in. But that's not how it works. The Holy Spirit comes in and, and lives in you. And when that happens, those, those other spirits that might be there, they have to leave, right? They can't reside in the same thing. You can't have all of those living in there. They're, they're gone. They leave. And then the Holy Spirit does His work. This is what Paul was talking about. So in a sense, you are free. When you accept the Lord, you're free from those things. But then in another sense, as Christians, we need to grow. As Christians, we need to develop. As Christians, we do need to learn. We, we do need to, to find those wrong beliefs that we've had, possibly from childhood, maybe from a very well-meaning church. But they taught you, they taught you something false. They taught you wrong. Maybe it was partly works-oriented. You know, works cannot save you. You can't do enough to get saved. You can't buy your way to heaven. But there are some churches, and, and uh, maybe they don't even realize they're doing it, but they make works a part of it. Maybe they're a good Christian church, but, but over the time, there's, there's been traditions over the, over the years, there's been traditions that have been passed down, and, and it's being taught like it's doctrine, and it's not. And so, when, if you're in a church, you're in a church and, and you're hearing something that's maybe a little bit different, you need to go check it out. You need to open up your Bible and see what does Scripture say about that. Because there's a whole lot of, do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. And some of it is perfectly biblical. Some of it is, yeah, the Bible says don't do that. Better not do that. There's some things that the church will teach you, you have to do that, or you're not saved. Does the Bible say that? Where's that taught in the Bible? Chapter and verse. I want to see it. And, and don't be proof texting. Don't just pull one verse out of that chapter and say, oh, here's the evidence. No, read the whole chapter. Read the whole thing. Maybe read the whole book. You know, take it in its entirety. Sometimes you, need, you, you may need to pull different chapters together because most of the time the Bible talks about different things in different places. Put it all together. What does the whole word say about it? Because you can become a slave. You can become a slave of a group that, that is putting burdens on you that are not from the Lord. Because generally we have freedom. We have freedom. It's just food. The meat's just food. The drink is just drink. It's nothing else. That was something that, that those Jews had been taught. They'd been taught wrong. They'd been taught that there were false gods. They'd been taught that those idols were real. And they weren't. So they had to relearn that. 
And for us today, you know, we come out either we come out of the world where we don't have any biblical teaching at all. You've got a lot of wrong thinking going on there. You, you, you need a whole lot of education. You need somebody to come alongside you and, and walk by you and disciple you. Help you through that. But there's other people who were Christians, but their thinking is just as wrong as somebody who wasn't a Christian. Because they, they have an entirely different system. You know, maybe, maybe you came out of a works-based system. And so, you know, when I stand up here and I ask for volunteers, man, you're right there. Because why? I got to earn my way to heaven. I got to serve the church. And, and, you know, on the face of it, I love that. But your motive is wrong. Because, you know, we do need people to help in the church. But you need to be helping because you're saved. You need to be helping because you want to do something to help your brothers and sisters. Not that doing that is going to make you saved. Because you can't earn your way to heaven. So Paul's talking about that freedom. We have, we have freedom from works. You know, we can, we can... Well, there's a saying. There's a saying that goes, you don't know what you don't know. <clears throat> and that's, <laughs> that's certainly true for my job. Okay, I work at the radio station right on the other side of that wall over there. And uh, when I accepted that job, I had no idea. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I didn't know what I don't know. And as Christians, we're the same way. We become a Christian, and we think we know it. You know, we think that it's, it's all right there, but we don't. We need to grow. Sometimes we think we have right ideas. We think we have a complete understanding of the gospel, but we have a lot of growing to do. So, the freedom that Paul celebrated was very real. It permeated every area of his life. Paul was free from the smothering effects of that culture that he had lived in. Uh, some of us have a similar experience to that. And, uh, you know, there were times when Paul was speaking and he sounded very orthodox. He's talking to the Jews. It sounds very orthodox. But there was something, there was a problem that the Jews had. There was a problem, and that was pride. There was, that was pride, there was self-righteousness, and those things characterized the Jews. They looked down on Gentiles. The Bible says that they, they considered them to be like dogs, like street dogs. Not, not, not a dog that was somebody's pet, because that would be elevated. No, it was the street dogs. They compared the Gentiles to the street dogs. They were self-righteous, but Paul was free from that. Paul was, Paul was made free. You know, Peter, Peter and a lot of the other disciples, their understanding of Jesus' commission to go into all the world was the Jews. Go to the Jews, not the Gentiles. Why? Because the Gentiles are like dogs. There was, a, there was an attitudinal, there needs to be an attitudinal shift there. Right? There needs to be a shift in, in, in the way that you see things. And 
Paul is talking about that. He says there needs to be a change. You know, it's easy to understand that Jesus died to save us and to express that to somebody. You know, if you become a Christian and you come down here and pray with me about that, you're expressing that. And then uh, eventually you get baptized. You can be on fire for God. But what's not so easy are to leave the mistaken beliefs that you have behind. Because you were taught that probably by very sincere people. And you accepted that at the time because you want to be a great Christian. You want to serve God. But you have some false information. Where do you, where do you go to fix that? Where, where do you need to go to, to adjust? To fix those mistaken beliefs? Well, it's, it's all right here. Go to the Word. What does the Word say about it? And I just went through all of that, how you do that. Don't be proof texting. Take the whole Word. What is the whole It's easy nowadays, you know? Go to Blue Letter Bible. It's easy. Before you really had to work at it. But now it's, it's not that hard. So, you know, there's always people that are going to teach false doctrine. There was back then. There is now. False doctrine seems to uh, seems to abound, and uh, and if if you you know if you hear something that's like oh this is too good to be true, other than salvation of course it sounds like it's too good to be true but it isn't. But you know if you hear that God wants you to be rich, if you hear that God wants you to have a new airplane or a yacht now I don't know what you're going to do with a yacht in Southern Idaho but it's not the point. You want to hear that that God wants you that God doesn't want anyone to be sick. That's not biblical teaching. The Bible never teaches that. But the Bible teaches us that we're fallen people. The Bible teaches us that we're going to have trouble in life. You know, those things don't end until we leave this world. I've said it before almost like a joke it's kind of a really bad joke i don't know what it is but you know i've said i've said death is the ultimate healing but it is it is because we leave this body behind which is falling apart getting worse day by day my body's not getting any better it's going the other way so when I can leave this body behind and leave this world and go to the next world, that's the ultimate healing, isn't it? Bible says Bible says Bible says there'll be no more pain. Bible says there'll be no more sorrow. That's the ultimate healing. You know, the law, Paul talked a lot about the law. Law couldn't save people. Works can't save you. But giving your heart to the Lord, giving God control of your life, that saves us. And thank God it isn't works. Because I don't have a lot of works left in me. Just depending on the blood of Jesus. That saves us. Paul was free. Paul was free from the law. 
Paul was free from expectations of his peers. You know, there's other things we need to be free of. We need to be free of personal ambitions. There's no room for a personal agenda when we're serving God. Because God sets the agenda. If we come to the Lord and we say, God, I want to serve you, but this is how I want to do it, how's that going to work out? It's not going to work out very well. We need to come to the Lord and we need to say, God, how, how, do, you, how do you want me to serve you? And then be willing to do it. Sometimes that's the hard part. Because when we come before God and we say, God, I, I want to serve you more, we, we typically have something in mind. And it's well within our comfort zone. But that's not God's idea. If Paul had known what he was going to go through preaching the gospel, you think he would have volunteered for that? You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like somebody who serves in the military and they serve and they volunteer for a mission where they got like a five percent survival rate. Not going to be a whole lot of takers for that. And that was Paul, but he served the way he served the way God wanted him to. Paul served in the way that God put in front of him. I'm going to just stop there. Um, not a very good wrap-up, I'm afraid, but um, in a minute here, we're going to pray. And uh, I want to remind you, we do have refreshments across the hall. You can stay, or, stay or hang around, enjoy some fellowship. So let's pray. Give them the lights, Terry. Almighty God, I, I do believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ is our redemption. Father, we know we're sinful people. We know we need a Savior. I give my life and my heart to you. Father, I want to follow you and know God's presence in my own life. Forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and let me know the joy of walking with you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And I'd like to have an opportunity to pray with you right up here in front. If you have a need, just come right up here. Please stand if you'd like to. You've been listening to a live teaching from the River Christian Fellowship, home of CSN. If you'd like to hear today's teaching again, you can catch the free podcast by searching the iTunes store for the River Christian Fellowship or give us a call at 800-357-4226. There's also a video of today's teaching available on our website, theriverchristianfellowship.com, and then click the media button. And tune in next week for more from the River Christian Fellowship, live on CSN.